Good morning. I think this is a sign from God when you come up here and everything you're going to say is not up here anymore. Okay, God. I'll put it back up. There we go. I don't know, though. I'm even more nervous than I thought I would be at this point. But, you know, it just reminds me, I was with my dad the other day, and I said, I've got it all typed up, and I'm ready to go. And he said, well, you might, something about, well, you might not even need to read it. And I think, I'm not joking. It was up here. It is gone. So Lord is in control of this morning. I am really happy to be up here with y'all. And when I was asked to speak, I know that you see me up here every week, but some of you know me well, and you know that this is the most uncomfortable place for me to be. I would much rather be sitting with you all and having private, small conversations. Um, and then I was thinking about my testimony, and I immediately thought, well, I think some of the youth in this church could probably give it for me at this point, because some of them know me better than I realize. So um, when, I, when I was asked to speak, and they said it's about women on missions, and I loved all that everyone said about missions at this church, and it is truly a blessing to be at a church where there are so many groups for women. Um, ministering together as women has been a huge, huge part of my walk with God. At every church that I've been through, to, starting at New Hope as a child, all the way up through all the different churches and different places I've lived, women's ministry is what helped mold me to who I am. Um, and when I was thinking about giving my testimony, my mind went on so many different paths because I know I am so young, you know, so young, but I love that y'all laughed. Um, but I've been through a lot of different things with God, and some of the paths that I've been with God were my own choosing. I was in a dark place many different times of my life because of the path that I chose. I chose to not follow God. I chose not to be in his will, and God rescued me in some intense, miraculous ways. And then there's testimonies in my life of loss and, and sickness in our family and, and a lot of different things that I did not choose that were just life, um, whatever that reason was. And I have testimonies of God rescuing me from those things and saving me. And, and when I think about my testimony, I am overwhelmed every time at how amazing God is um, and, and how he, when we allow him to be, in control. When we, when we let go of everything else, God will take over and he will make your path where he wants it to be. And it is so much better than we could have ever imagined in our life. Um, so after all of these big testimonies that I've thought about and, and I've worked with people in, in giving their testimonies, I was just talking with Chase at our old church, our Sunday school class actually would meet um, once a month for intentional time. So we would meet at a house and we would have dinner and it was called Intentional Dinners with Discipleship Training. And, you know, after the dinner, it was adults, and we would um, practice giving our testimonies to each other. Because it's a nerve-wracking thing when someone goes, will you share your testimony? I just told Aiden, you know, when you go to Africa, just be ready to have a mic shoved in your face at any moment of the week and be asked to share the gospel and share your testimony. You know, and that's true. We should be prepared, right? But it's still nerve-wracking. So as I was preparing... I realized that what God wanted me to share was not a story that happened that he had saved me from in a miraculous way, um, but it was the private testimony and the quiet testimony because when we are on mission, not just women, that does not start out. That does not start in a church. And, you know, I know a lot of you have heard, you know, the mission field starts in your home. And I'm going to go a step further and say your mission field starts 
between you and God, completely between you and God in the private of your room or wherever you're at, in the private of your life, in your thoughts and in your actions, but where no one else can see it. That is where mission starts. And um, when I was praying over this for the past couple weeks, I kept going back to about six years ago. So I'm going to set the stage. About six years ago, I was a mom of three at that point, and we went to Elizabeth Baptist Church. And at that point, I was just head over heels for church. And still, I love church. And I was over the RA group. I was the director. And in women's ministries, the, the ministries with women there, specifically mentoring relationships, they had a, a, a beautiful mentoring ministry where the older women mentored to the younger women, which is a huge part of my testimony in a different day. Um, so that's where I was. I was a homeschool mom, a stay-at-home mom. My awesome husband was driving a truck and gone during the week a lot, and it, life was amazing. And I was just thinking back at that moment, and there was nothing that I could have complained about. I was living my dream. When I married Chase, um, I was a single mom, and, you know, he was a mechanic, and I was like, I love you, but I want to be a stay-at-home mom. Like, I get it. Mechanicking doesn't always, you know, make millions. But I was like, I know that that's just where God is leading me to provide. I will take care of everything in the world if you can help me to stay home. And he was absolutely, you know, wonderful. Um, so I was living the life. And, and, another, and, and part of my life with God, I just felt so close to him. I had a wonderful habit of reading scripture. And I was all into everything that anyone could give me. Um, if someone gave me a devotion book, I was reading it. If I had a Lifeway magazine from church, I was cutting out the verses and putting them on my wall and reading testimonies and studying scripture. And I just, I was just madly in love with my family and my life and God. And it was, it was wonderful. And I thought nothing can get better. Nothing can change. This is just great, you know. And, and it's funny how that, when you think, oh, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be with God. You know, we have seasons, and I'm, I'm looking out. My best friend is here visiting. Um, she's right here in the burgundy. I'm going to make her uncomfortable <laughs> since I'm uncomfortable up here. Um, but, you know, we have seasons. Like, she used to live right down the road from me, and we got to see each other every day. And it was wonderful, and it was our life for a long time. And then we moved away and moved churches. And, and you know, seasons now, we have to plan lunches, and we have to catch up on text. But seasons are not bad, but seasons happen right? There, there might be a season of prayer with God where I am, I'm praying maybe an hour a day just trying to seek God, and I, and I just feel more comfortable on my knees than anywhere else, and then there's times where my season is scripture study or, or you know, whatever it is. We have seasons, and they're wonderful. Seasons of joy and seasons of pain, they're all wonderful, um, but so my season started at this point in my life, and I remember I was at this, in this moment reading through the New Testament, you know, sometimes you just want to read through the New Testament straight through. It's just so comforting to me. And I was going through, and I got to 1 Corinthians, and I was hustling through Corinthians and praying over what I was reading and, and um, reading through it. And then I got to 2 Corinthians, and I was like, oh, I feel like God was really pushing me back. So I went back to 1 Corinthians, and, and I will, I'm going to read to you specifically where God was pushing me back to unbeknownst to me at this point and how one chapter and specifically 16 verses changed my personal life forever. Um, okay, so I'm going to be reading with you, if you want to open up, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 16.
And it says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut her hair off or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, But woman is the glory of man, for man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves, is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? And does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. I was not very happy that I felt like I should go back to this. So I will say that in the private of my home, in the early mornings, Early in the morning when I would go to the Lord, I began a new season of life. And I began a season of trying to figure out the conviction in my heart, but I didn't know what it was. I mean, I I look a certain way today, but six years ago and all of my life before, I did not look the way I look. I did not wear anything on my head, and I wore skirts for fun and dresses. I had no no reason to do this. And, And... God was bringing me to a point where I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to study all of the reasons why this is not applicable for me. (laughs) So I started looking up sermons, why women do not need to cover their head. And they were wonderful. And I was like, oh, I agree. I agree. I agree. I was like, oh, we're good. You know, I've studied for a week on why we don't need to. And I agree with all of it. So I'm just going to move on. And God just kept pulling me back. And we were are so close and I just kept pulling it back so I prayed and I said okay God I'm going to take the other stance and just see why you want me to see both sides so I started studying why women if any women should I I don't know about you but the only examples I've had I'm going to tell you something on the side note if I could read fiction books if I had time I just choose not to read fiction books because I have so many study books I want to read but my favorite books in the world are Amish love stories (laughs) I mean I could spend 12 hours a day reading Amish love stories. And that might not surprise some of y'all. I don't know how well you know me. But um, so the only examples of head coverings I thought were immediately Amish. I was like, well, unfortunately, I'm not Amish. (laughs) But no, I'm just kidding. I'm glad that I'm Protestant. (laughs) Um, And also, you know, Mennonites. And I thought of Catholics and their worship times. And I thought of Jewish women. And I thought of Muslims. And all these things were going through my head. And I literally cannot think of any Protestant person in my entire life that I ever saw covering their head. Um, I thought about hats, you know, we used to wear hats, women did. I thought, is that why? You know, anyway, so here I began studying the word of God in this aspect. And at the same time, I felt like it was unfortunately, but I'm so thankful that God's desires are not my desires. He started 
really opening my eyes to the way I dressed. And I never thought that I was inappropriately dressed. Um, no one at least ever told me that I was. But I, I started to see everything in the world differently. And it was t- completely the Holy Spirit. I started seeing women and then seeing what my husband saw. And I started thinking about myself. And I started thinking about other men and other husbands and what they saw. And I just started feeling such deep conviction over everything. And this is literally just between me and God. I haven't spoken a word to anyone in my life about these convictions, but I am in a large season of praying, what am I supposed to look like? Like, God, I love you. I thought that we were good. You know, I'm spending time with you. I'm going to church. I'm working for the church. Why am I feeling so much conviction? So I just kept praying over it, studying it, and we were busy, and it was a normal life, a normal week, and Chase came home from work that week, and he said, I actually have a, a job to go to Maine and back for the weekend. That's a long way. Um, and he was like, why don't we find childcare and let's go to Maine? And I'm sitting here outwardly like, oh, cool, yeah, that's great. But inwardly, I'm going, I need to talk to my husband because I'm feeling so much conviction, I don't even know what to do with it. So I grab my Bible, I grab a bag, and off we go to Maine. So we have an, an unreasonable amount of time together as a husband and wife in a vehicle um, with nothing to distract us. So after a few hours, I get the courage to, you know, open up my Bible. I'm reading and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Um, so I go, okay, hey, Chase, I have this conviction. It's not a big deal. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say it. I just want to run it by you. But really, I'm under you. You are my husband. I respect you. I submit to your authority, so really, I just need you to tell me if you agree or not, and if you don't agree, then that's great, actually, like, we can move on, because I'm good, because, you know, you're responsible, Um, so (laughs) that's pretty much how it went, and I just remember him driving this big truck and 40-foot trailer, probably like, what in the world is she going on about, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to talk, I'm just going to read the Bible, and I'm just going to read it out loud, and briefly go over what I'm feeling, and then, you know, you can easily just say, no, and we'll be done. That'll be great. So I read the whole scripture, and I said, I, God has been convicting me about this, and I don't know what it means, and I'm so confused, but I feel like I'm supposed to dress differently and wear something on my head, and I don't know why, and I really don't want to. So um, do you think I should or not? You know. <laughs> and my sweet husband was like, if God's convicting you, then you should do it. And I just, my heart broke, and I got excited all at once. Does that make sense? Like, I didn't worldly want to hear that. I wanted him to say, no, you're good. You're godly. You know, there's nothing wrong. You don't, you're not Amish. You know, I wanted to say something like, just be where you are, sweetie. Um, But he didn't. And so, but I immediately, the Holy Spirit is so miraculous. I immediately felt joy and comfort. And then my worldly started coming in and I was like, well, I only have to do it. I only feel led to do it when I pray and speak about scripture out loud and talk to people about scriptures. Whew. You don't realize how much you pray out loud. Hopefully, I mean, I don't know everybody, but I was trying to, you know, everything I could find, I'm like, oh, we're about to pray. You know, (laughs) it got ridiculous. And my kids are probably going, well, it's still kind of ridiculous because if I'm not covered at home, I'm like, hold on, it's time to pray. (laughs) It's crazy, but it's a conviction that God just slowly put into my life. And so so I started saying I'm only going to do that, and then it got too crazy, and I couldn't. I couldn't commit to just that because it actually made me stop wanting to pray out loud. And I didn't realize how often friends and I or, or my children and I or whoever prayed out loud together and how often I sat and read scripture with my kids. So I said, okay, 
I, I, God wants me to cover all the time. Like, I'm moving on. This is my life. I think I sent out a mass text to my family and my closest friends, and I was like, so I might be looking a little different. Everything's okay, but I'm now going to be wearing different clothes and head coverings. And I know one of my sisters called, and she was like, can you explain this? Like, do you mean you're going to look Muslim? And I'm not calling her out because that was a very good question, you know. And I was like, no, I'm just going to be covering, like, wherever I feel God is leading me to. And she was like, oh, okay. Um, so anyway, that's how I got to this point. And the beauty and the miracles are what happened after I felt the conviction and after I committed to that time in prayer and, and worship of him and studying of him. And let before I keep going, though, let me say that as much as I can speak about the conviction that I listened to, I could equally and more speak to the convictions that I have pushed aside. I am an imperfect person, and at any point, any of y'all could walk up to me and go, hey, Mary, what are your convictions right now? And I have a list. I am constantly feeling so insufficient. And, you know, sometimes my dad or my husband or somebody will kind of encourage me and go, it's okay, you know, <laughs> you're good. But there's always something that I know I need to work on with the Lord to mold me to be more like him. But this is one example where I started to go through. And you know what is crazy is that this became so intense. It became, like, it is not that comfortable. I'm used to it. It's been six years at this point. But it, it, especially in the beginning, was not comfortable. And it wasn't the physical feeling that changed me. It was the Holy Spirit. Because when I put that on every day, I literally changed. I don't know if my husband would agree, um, I think, especially if he remembers in the beginning, I was a little argumentative and a little stubborn and kind of hot-headed, and I remember just getting so mad about things, and I, would, I remember sometimes saying, I just want to take my head cover off so I can tell you what I think, because when my head cover was on, I felt humility I felt like the need to be quieter and I and it was weird I didn't know that was going to happen I felt the need to to be more respectful to my husband and to not yell quite as much and I'm still working on that conviction at my children and and I just felt all of this and it was crazy to me how God used that because I just thought oh I'm supposed to do this but he was like no I'm changing you and this is how I'm changing you so I, I begin that life and and it's it was really in crazy how I would go about my life and everything around me started changing. Women talked to me more than I was used to. They opened up to me. I prayed more often with women. People were kinder, and it's not because of anything that I did, but it was something the Holy Spirit was doing that I don't understand how, and I still can't because it's the Holy Spirit. I don't, I mean, he's perfect and all-knowing, but just he formed me into a different person still full of flaws, but different. Um, one beautiful thing that he did was one day at the Bowling Springs Park. I was there with one of my sisters and a friend of ours, and our kids were playing just like normal, and there was a family right us, beside us. It was a Muslim family, and the wife was standing there with her kids, and all of our kids were playing. So the three of us and the Muslim woman started talking, and, and she and I had this amazing connection um, to where we kind of went aside of everyone and, and just talked. And in one meeting, we were already getting into our faith and what that looked like, and we were immediately talking about head covering. She noticed that I looked different, and she asked me why I looked different than other women that she knew here. And, um, you know, and I was 
complimenting the beauty of her and how beautiful she was, and we were talking about what we believed, and we exchanged numbers, and and it was it was just a day. You know, I met a lot of moms at parks and spent a lot of time with homeschooling moms, and so we left that moment, and I didn't realize that that season that changed was turning into a whole other season. And so that friendship, which we still have today, she is a dear friend, and um, that turned into a completely different path for me. Um, I became friends with her and her family. They would come to our house, her husband and her family, and we would go to their house, and uh, we would talk about the Bible. Her, you know, her husband read our Bible and knew a lot and would ask us questions in detail about our faith, and um, I became introduced to the Muslim community in that area, and so I would be invited into these Muslim homes with five or so from 80-year-old women to, to 30-something-year-old women, and, and I, they knew I was a Christian. They knew what I believed, and it was, a, and it was intense. It was an intense time of um, them asking me a lot of questions about my faith and what I believed and why I believed, and I would ask them about theirs, and, you know, we would, um, and it really, and it really was humbling for me because I was new in this season, and they would, they said, so I wasn't someone that had been doing this life of the way I looked and the way that God was forming me, the way I acted for, for that long, and they said, you know, we meet many Christian women and people and most of the Christians we talk to, we ask them questions, and they don't know any of the answers. Um, these people that are Muslim and other religions that are devout, they, they know what they believe. And they probably know what our scriptures say. And they did. You know, at one point I said, well, it's actually in our Bible. I do it because God convicted me from this. And I will say this but before I keep going. I do, not, I do not agree that this is what every woman should do. I don't have that that mindset, I don't believe that that is, that, I don't believe in that. I think that God called me specifically to do that, um, and he called my friend to do that, but I don't think that that is, you know, I'm not up here going, I just wish New Hope women covered their heads. I don't believe that at all, um, but it was interesting. I said, actually, it's in our scripture, and the one Muslim woman said, well, I know it's in your scripture, and I said, and it's not in your scripture. I'd been studying their scriptures, and I'd been studying their religion, and I said, you choose to do it. It's not in your in what you think is from the Lord, you know, and they were, they couldn't believe it, you know, she was from Jordan, and she said, well, every Christian in Jordan covered their heads, because it was in their Bible, and everyone did it, so she said, but American Christians are very different, and I've never experienced a Christian that knew what they believed, and, and I'm saying that because it cut me deep, because I thought a month ago, would I have had this strength and ability to talk about all of this in front of them? I wouldn't have, so it humbled me, and, um, I don't know what the purpose was of that season. I'm in a new season. I don't get to see her often. Um, but, but it was miraculous. I never would have been able to go into their home unless God had lined it up, right? I never could have just walked in and be like, hey, I'm a Christian. I'd love for you to have you over at my house. They'd probably think she's crazy. But they saw something that they needed to see that they related to. So it was, it was, it was overwhelming, and when I look back at it, I remember just it being normal. God made it all normal. And so I think what, what the whole purpose of this testimony is that when we are in the private of our homes, when we are in the one-on-one moments in our houses, in our relationship with God, in the time that we have 20 minutes to kill, and we're about to pick up our phone, or we're about to go do something or clean something, what are we doing like what, and I, this is, I'm still convicted of this now. What, what is our time spent doing? 
Because there is a lot of stuff that God wants us to do, right? For me, there is a lot of stuff that he's still going, okay, Mary, I really would, I need you to get back in this prayer season. I need you to get back into this. There's, there's all of this waiting for you. And, and I fall short constantly. And I, um, thankfully, we have a God that loves us. And we have a God that forgives us. And I mean, y'all might be sitting out here right now just thinking about a conviction that you have. Because the mission field to, for women to be on mission or youth or kids or men, that has to start here. The youth and I were talking last week about love and um, Valentine's Day. Had to be a little cliche. But we took it to a deeper level where we talked about love amongst believers. A few other things, but one part was love that we show each other and how that looks like to unbelievers. Because if unbelievers see a church that is full of gossip or ill will or they don't take care of each other or they're not helping each other or this person's struggling and alone or this person, why do they want to be a part of that? I wouldn't want to be a part of that. And we were talking about how God and Jesus in the New Testament talks about the importance of the brotherly love and, and, the, and the love together. And that cannot begin until we have that personal daily intimate relationship with God and I'm so thankful for being raised the way I am I was raised at New Hope and other churches and I was raised by parents who didn't just take me to church praise God they didn't just go go to church and then at home it was different Um, praise God I could talk about God every day we had family devotions we had time of prayer I could sit and stress my dad and mom out in high school and ask them a million questions about why they believe what they believe and they loved me for that and So parents of kids and youth, like, that's what our homes should be. Grandparents, when your grandkids come over, right, our homes should be where we are focused on the Lord, where we ask. You just let the kids, to ask a kid if they have any questions about God. At one point, I gave Everett a notebook, and I said, just write all your questions, because, you know, and he's like, well, I don't think of them now. I just think of them when we start talking. So start talking to your kids about it, and you might already be doing this, and praise God for that. But... I will say that I, there, there are people out here that weren't raised like that. You know, you didn't have Christian homes, and you didn't have Christ, and you're new at this. You might be a new believer. You might be just new at all of this. But the Holy Spirit doesn't need that for you to be raised in a church. The Holy Spirit doesn't need you to go to church every week. It's wonderful. It changed my life. But the Holy Spirit needs you to say, I'm in. I trust you. I love you. I believe your word is true. I want to live your path. I'm tired of living this life, of me trying to do everything I want and get everything I want and, and, and plan out my life and plan out my family and plan out my retirement. And this is going wrong. And now I'm stressed and anxious about it. He just wants you to say, just, just come to me in the quiet of your life, but maybe the chaos of your mind. Just come to me then. I've got it. In Sunday school, we, we read about how we don't have to worry. If Solomon wasn't anything compared to the, the wildflowers and the grass, then, man, that's love. He had everything, right? He was what we all want, our American dream. So I encourage y'all, as God encourages me every day, to, to build that intimate walk with him. And it, right now, it might not mean joining one thing at our church. And, you know, I had to go through a whole season. I did one year when I joined Flint Hill Baptist where I just, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't want to be, I'm joining, but I'm not helping with anything. 
I went a year where I just quit serving. And that was the year when I had these Muslim friends and I had um, BJ and new friends where I just, to God, I said, I can't serve in the church. Like, I'm not supposed to do anything. And, and he opened up my home and he turned it into church and he turned it into where people could come and, and eat and drink. We drank a lot of tea and a lot of things I wasn't used to. But that I just need you to figure out where you're at. Because your testimony is going to be different than mine, but there might be a more powerful testimony that's happening in your life or is about to where you could be the one standing up here and saying, it all happened during my time with God, my 8 o'clock at night or my 6 o'clock in the morning or whatever. It all started there, and I just didn't give up on it. So that's the testimony that I think I'm most excited to share is that when I don't want things to happen and when I was, I mean, I'm not going to lie. There are mornings that I wake up and I look in the mirror and I really just go, I don't want to be like this anymore. And I can say that to y'all because you're my family, right? (laughs) Big family. But then God immediately goes, how great is your life? And how great is is everything that I can do through you? Because you're a vessel. If you take me out of the equation, Mary, what is it? And I'm empty without him. I have nothing without God. And so I'm quickly reminded that I would rather look weird, and cover, even though it's abnormal, and be quiet and submissive to my husband, and I know I still work on that. I had to have a, I had to have a call this morning, an apology of my harsh words in my stress, where I quickly laid out all my flaws from the morning argument. So, I mean, you know, I will say I didn't have my covering on when I yelled, but anyway... <laughs> That's not why it's not power. It's not magical in itself. Okay, but I think just I don't know. I probably had a beautiful ending in my typed. <laughs> but I just I, that's my encouragement to y'all. And and if you're in here and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, and maybe you're kind of like I don't really understand it, and I don't know what that looks like. And I know a lot of I hear this a lot. I know a lot of Christians that I don't want to be like. And I know a lot of churches that I've had a really hard time with. Uh, you would not believe some of y'all know. You've met a lot of people. How many people do not come to church because church hurt them? I had a friend one time say that I will never follow God because I don't want to be around God's people. And, and so, gosh, it breaks my heart. Um, it, it really breaks my heart because it all starts with us in our private moments with God because we're not going to be able to fake who we are. If we're not spending that time with God and if we're not in, intervening with the Spirit on our basis that shows God that we care about him more than everything else, more than the worries of our finances or the worries of what our kids are doing or our health problems or the diseases that we have or, or, or whatever, if we're not putting him above that, our, we can't fake it in the world. It is very obvious that we are not putting God. But when we are, hallelujah, people can see it. People can see that there's different. People can see the Holy Spirit in someone. When I ask the youth, like, who do you know that's filled with spirit? Like, I've heard of beautiful testimonies that they've given of people that in their life that they know that that person loves the Lord. And, and so, like, I guess let's all look in the mirror together and think, what is it, God? And if you have a conviction that you're dealing with that you've been pushing aside, maybe it's taken you like me, like, a little too long in studying the Bible and listening to way too many sermons before I just submitted to God's call then just I invite you to come up here and get on your knees and pray that either you have courage to go through that or that you um, get a clear message from God or 
whatever it is. I don't know your needs. Um, I still work on mine, you know. I'm still working on my prayer life every day for the rest of my life. But come, and, and Jean McCurry is going to be up here, and, and I will be, and just spend this next closing of our time together and seek God. And if you're, if you're like I was before this season, and you're like, man, my life is so good. <laughs> I don't have a conviction in the world. Um, then just get ready, because <laughs> there are those things that we all need to face with God and hand over to him. So please use this last bit while we sing to do that. Whatever God's calling you to do, please don't let it go another day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, oh, how I adore you, and I am so thankful for your patience. It takes saying part of your testimony out loud, God, for, you to, for me to realize how sweet you are and how loving you are and patient you are. And I am so thankful of your gentleness and your forgiveness and for allowing me to feel guilt, for allowing me to, to have the spirit so I feel convictions, Lord, so I'm not, I'm not hardened, Lord. I pray every day that you soften me and this, these church people here and those listening online that, that you soften us so that we know that there's nothing on this planet that is more important than you, worshiping you. It might be relearning what we thought we knew. It might be looking at something different. It might be going, hey, I think that I'm doing this wrong. Like, Lord, there, it might be someone in here that says, I got baptized when I was seven, and, and now I'm 65, and I don't know that there's been a difference in my life. And, and you have put me through those moments so much, God. Thank you for that where I just constantly see that I need to come back. I need to come back to you and, and relearn and, and pray and seek your guidance. So whatever that is for people here today, please, Lord, break down the walls that they have. And whether they stay at their seat or come up here, let them feel a, a, a strong desire to come to you to confess or whatever it is they need, God. You know, I love you so much. And I thank you for these people here and how much they mean to me and my family and and thank you that they are part of my testimony now in this church. Um, I love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.